You're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber A. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we are back with round two of Into the Trivia. Ding, ding, ding. Woo! That <laughs> <laughs> sounded like you're intro- introing a boxing match there. <laughs> round two. Let's we're keeping it. it high energy this week. We're going to keep it rolling for you guys. We've got two more episodes. We're counting down. So this week we're on to number eight and number seven. Oh, Woo. yeah. And uh, we're getting full-on competition for you guys. That's right. Yeah, this is a versus. It's a matched episode. In one corner, we've got Elisa Lamb. That's right. In the other corner, we have got Orang Pendek. That's right. So and they're going to duke it out. I, I mean, I honestly would want to even hear, like, uh, almost do, like, shout-out to the No Dunks podcast. Do, like, a pick em payoff. Like, whoever loses, maybe you guys could, like, throw out uh, some ideas for, like, whatever the loser has to, like, do on oh, the show no. or something like that. Or oh. we could get creative with this. Uh-oh. This I'm excited. I'm excited about these two topics today, though. I am, too. And ironically enough, when we originally did both of these episodes, it was almost, like, flipped. So it's kind of ironic that I'm asking you questions about Elisa Lamb, since I did most of the research for that one. And mm-hmm. you're asking questions about Orang Pendek, which you did most of the research for. So right. we're both kind of flying blind here. <laughs> A little bit. Flying off the seat of our pants and the memories, the few memories that I retain. The memories of our <laughs> pants. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I will say, though, that these were two of my my favorite episodes we've done Mm -hmm. Um, there's a reason they're in the top 10 very true well let's get into it all right okay so we are starting off with number eight the mysterious case of elisa lamb i've got 10 questions for andrew we've got some true and false we've got some multiple choice we've got some a and b's uh we're gonna start off with an easy one for you Okay? okay okay number one elisa was a young student from the Vancouver area at the time of her untimely demise. However, at the time, she was traveling abroad in the U.S. So two points here. Which city and hotel did Elisa end up in at the time of her death? Ah, yeah, you did team me up with an easy one here. So I'll just pause for a second for the listeners to do it themselves. All right. (laughs) So she went on a trip to Los Angeles if I'm not mistaken. Correct. And she stayed at the infamous Cecil Hotel. Mm. I can remember the image, the picture of this outside facade of this hotel. Good one. Okay. Well, we're starting off easy. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Question two. Elisa Lamb, like many young women, experienced a lot of stress and anxieties in her life. Things which led her to use what as a positive coping mechanism? So, if my memory serves me correctly, she was pretty heavily uh, involved with social media. Am I, is that so? She was like she blogged. She was a blogger. She would mm-hmm. write. 
to try to vent, I think, was the... Do you remember the specific platform she used? Ooh, good question. I'm going to just... I feel like she was a blogger. I'm going to say Tumblr? Yeah, that's it. Okay. All right. Nice. Got the point. Got the point. Number three. In that blog, Elisa would often quote other bloggers or writers. At the top of her blog, there is a quote from which author? Ooh. You kind of like, I think in that question, you're trying to trick me like an author, like a blog author or an author author. A quote, okay. An actual author. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Actually, no, it's not. That's a lie, everybody. <laughs> this one's a little tougher. I don't know why. This is so incorrect. I have no idea what the quote is. I'm going to just toss out an author name. I'm going to say that for some reason, I, my, my, my brain's going to J.K. Rowling. Oh, no, actually. This one's a little bit, uh, well, a little more rough and tumble. Uh, Chuck Palahniuk. Okay. Yeah. All right. It was the quote, you're always haunted by the idea you're wasting your life. Okay, I remember that now. Yes. What an ominous thing to have at uh, the I know. And this was obviously um, a general theme in Elisa's blog. She seems to have been haunted by this idea of wasting her time, her life, not accomplishing enough in the present. Another pretty relatable feeling for a lot of people, but this seemed to just... Yeah, preoccupy her for most of her youth. Hmm. Okay, so no point there. Okay. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. All right. Number four. Elisa found her way to the CD Cecil Hotel just off of LA's Skid Row neighborhood. This particular hotel had a colorful history in LA. It was built in the 1920s, and by the 1950s, the numerous questionable deaths in the Cecil earned it which sordid nickname? My, I thought you were going to ask me a different question there. I was like, I was teed up. I had the answer ready. What was your answer? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to save it because I feel like you might still ask it. Okay. Uh, but, oh man, the nickname. Like the oh, like the devil's <clears throat> den or something. It's or pretty like badass. The, like it's like... Uh, devil's doorway. Like... I can't remember. It's called the suicide. Hmm. There was a lot of unfortunate deaths. A lot of them were kind of mysterious. Like there was... I think like a, a starlet that, and it was actually kind of loosely um, associated with the Black Dahlia murders. That but, was but the it's answer kind of I a, had teed up. Oh, okay. It was yeah. kind of a misnomer though. I think it was a different bar or it might've been the same bar in the Cecil. I'm not sure. Hmm. Anyways, number five. <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> Elisa disappeared on the 31st of January three days after she had checked into the Cecil Hotel. Elisa's body was discovered in the hotel water tank by a maintenance worker after how many days? Okay. It was a good chunk of time, if if I remember correctly. I believe it was... My mind is going to, like, 11 days. It was actually the 19th. Oh, so that was a long time. Yes. Damn. So... Okay, so no points for number five. Number six. The elevator footage was perhaps the most tantalizing piece of evidence in the investigation into Elisa Lamb's tragic death, and it is also the site of the last known footage of Elisa alive. 
which of these facts about the elevator footage was not something we discussed during the episode. Okay. Okay, so A, this is an A, B, C, or D. A, the elevator was known to be a shared amenity between the short-term hotel guests and long-term residents. B, the footage timestamp was altered to be unreadable. C, the footage appeared to be slowed down or tampered with. Or D, in the footage, Elisa appears to be conversing with someone whose foot appears in the corner of one of the shots. Oh man, I feel like we talked about all that stuff. What was option A? What was the first option again? A? Um, the elevator was known to be a shared amenity between short-term hotel guests and long-term residents. I'm going to say A. We didn't discuss that? I know we discussed the building, but I don't remember if the elevator was shared. This is kind of a trick question. <laughs> It's actually D. Okay. Um, So in the footage, Elisa does appear to be conversing with someone, but their foot does not appear in the corner of one of the shots. (laughs) I should have picked up on that. That was just an Easter egg waiting to get... Oh, my God. Yes. I'm embarrassed right now. Yes. Yes, you say yes. Yes, You should be embarrassed right now. You should be, I know. It was definitely like a little... Damn it. That was a little Easter egg. I hope everyone listening... I'm sure most of you listening (laughs) caught that. <laughs> okay. All right. True or false? The police investigation. So the police released the elevator footage on February 14th, two weeks after Elisa was last seen. Hmm. I'm going to say true. Yeah, I kind of gave that away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it because I botched the last one. So, yeah. yeah I, but I was... I, no, I honestly, I, I rem- that was one of the most significant parts of the story to me was that. And it took them a while, right? Because it did tie into when she was actually supposed to check out of the hotel, which kick-started the police investigation when the hotel right. um, staff alerted them. But yeah, it was so it was February 14th, elevator footage released. February 19th, uh, residents start complaining about the water. And that's when uh, that poor security guard went up and discovered the remains. Yikes. Yes, very scary. Could you imagine drinking that water? I mean, we talked about that in the episode, but it's just I like, know. I mean, everyone think about that for a second. I mean, oh dear. And you can't undrink it. Like, you can't and, and when you know, it, you how would you ever trust any water source ever again? I would literally have to have my own water tanks that I can see and go check on whenever I want. I'd rather just go stand outside with a cup when it's raining. You know where it's coming from. There you go. But after that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay. Number eight, rooftop logistics. So how many access points to the roof were there at the time of Elisa's death? So I think there was, as far as, oh man, I remember there only being like two. There was a, there was a fire, there was a, there was a, like a fire stairwell of some kind. And then there was like an employee access point mm. that wasn't locked or something like that. I'm going to say two. Okay. Yeah. So there was actually four. <laughs> so you got two out of four. <laughs> Get a half point. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. You're, that's generous. <laughs> um, four, because there was three fire escapes and then a locked rooftop door, which was an employee access only. Three fire escapes. And was supposed okay. to signal an alarm when opened. However, um, all of these were officially restricted. But when we were recording this episode, we discussed this Chinese YouTuber that we discovered who actually proved it was very easy to access um, the rooftop. This was literally one month after Elisa's death. 
so not a very secure location if you yeah. if you have the will you can find a way is kind of what it appeared to be so I, okay my memory was partially correct there i suppose mm-hmm. that being, being said door. though okay there the case file fact remains that to this day no one knows how lamb got up there no one knows how she got access yeah that's the weird part and that it would have been really difficult for someone to get you know leverage the body up into the tank after having even after it being on the roof in the first place mm-hmm. there's a lot well, of that was exactly it it was like getting her into the water tank either her doing it by herself would have been pretty tricky because it was pretty tall and then the other point we talked about was once she was inside the tank she judging from the level of water which was fluctuating right based on the usage but it was supposed that she wouldn't even be able to reach the the latch to like close it behind her that and right. also the fact that she was found uh, fully unclothed with clothing in the tank with her. Right. And the clothing, when it was closely examined, actually had like silica particulates on it that were from, they were from the roof. So it was essentially the case that she had taken her clothes off, thrown them on the ground, got inside the tank with her clothes in her hands, if she was doing this all by herself. Right. And then thrown them in the tank with her. Immediately what I think of, because I've seen so many CSIs and whatever else, and uh, I just thought that's the first thing you do when you're trying to eliminate evidence, right? You throw things mm-hmm. in water because water destroys a lot. Well, and so, that's all you have around there. Yeah. So, so a lot of it doesn't add up. And the other thing, too, is like if she was intentional on suicide, why would she have gone into the tank to drown herself when she could have thrown herself off the roof? Would have been pretty, Indeed. Yeah. Would have been a lot more convenient. But anyway, there's a lot about this episode that once you start digging into it again, it's like, man, we should do another one. I know, right? More true crime. Anyways, yeah. Okay, so we got number nine here. Elisa's mental state. Okay, so I'm giving credit to Emily. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Because she helped me formulate this question. Okay, so many have supposed that Elisa's death was a result of mental health issues and medication complications or side effects. Which of these was not proposed as evidence of a mental breakdown or side effect leading to Elisa's death? Okay, so it's A, B, C, or D. A, strange mannerisms such as the cracking of joints, wrists, knuckles, etc. B, repeatedly entering and exiting the elevator, pushing all the buttons, talking to people that aren't seen, etc. C, a noticeable repeating right-leaning head twitch. Or D, walking slash moving in right angles. That I remember so distinctly, the walking in right angles. Mm Mm-hmm. It's either A or C. I'm going to say C. You're right, yeah. That was funny. Me and Em, we were trying to come up with something, and I was like, oh, what if it was like the night of the Roxbury head twitch? <laughs> Let's go <laughs> with that. <laughs> I like that. That's, I mean, that's a good, uh, yeah. But it was kind of interesting, too, because all of those things that I just mentioned appear stranger because the footage was tampered with and sped up. So right. if you had it at actual time, they would have appeared to be a little bit more like normal seeming. That's so bizarre. Anyways, the, yeah. The, the speeding up of the footage and just... Why? And why was it released so late? Like, I understand the police weren't directly involved in the investigation until they were alerted by hotel staff when Elisa didn't check out. But it just seems like either... Some people propose that they were, like, protecting someone. Or... I don't know. I can't remember what my theories were. I'd have to go back and listen. But you describe... You just, you know, kind of giving me some details again right now just makes me think that it had to have been a ho- hotel staff. Mm-hmm. We did discuss that because they would have had access. 
They could have had access to the footage. They could have access to the rooftop. And a lot of people to blame it on. And they could have been watching her for a couple of days because this didn't happen. And she was in the tank for at least a week, they said. Like, but of course, they would have investigated hotel staff and there was nothing that... And the residents, too. And... The residents, that was another big one because there was a serial killer that was living there at the time. Or not a serial killer, but he was like a convicted murderer or rapist or something like that. But anyway. Really nice stuff. <laughs> great. Great community. Sharing an elevator with those guys? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's an experience. You know, you want the authentic... Uh... Mm-hmm. Whatever. But that was the odd part, too, that we talked about. It was like, why was Elisa staying in this hotel? And on closer investigation, there was this, like, new ad campaign that the hotel had put out just months prior to Elisa staying there that was advertising all these things that millennials and I remember that. people of yeah. our generation would like, like um, Wi-Fi and, and, like, you know, like a lounge. And it was just, like, updated kind of thing. And cheap. Right. Yeah. Mm. Okay, I've got the last question here. Okay. Going to the paranormal angle. Question 10. In the course of discussing theories, we touched on the idea that the Cecil Hotel, or the suicide, is a potential hotspot for paranormal activity due to its illustrious history. Which notorious serial killer was proposed as a possible spirit that possessed Elisa on the night of her untimely death? Did you already give me this answer earlier? No. I just want to say, because my mind... Because my mind goes to the Black Dahlia. Oh, yeah. Is that the answer? No, no. <laughs> okay, let no. me think. Okay. <laughs> then give me one more second here to, to at least guess. <laughs> it's got to be obviously a famous LA, California-based yes. serial killer. I think... Oh, oh, I don't man. even know what hint to give you, really. But I guarantee most people listening are screaming the answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially all of our true crime. Let's just say, Andrew, true crime isn't really your... Uh... I'm more of a historical mystery. Uh, <laughs> I like uh, my my maritime mystery. Shout out to, uh, to, uh, to Scott Philbrook on that one. Um, <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to shout out that, that Rob joke. guy from... <laughs> oh, yeah. From from that uh, Mighty Ships show we've been yeah, watching. Yeah, love that's a that. good show too. I do not know. It's Richard Ramirez. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, my God. Okay, so you got question nine right. You got question ten wrong. The thing is, though, that I will explain here. Um, So, essentially, he couldn't have possessed Elisa that night. Do you remember why? This is a bonus. Maybe you can make up for this. Oh, man. (laughs) No, I I mean, no, I, I don't. I do not remember why. I definitely remember there being something weird about that, though. Um, oh, man. You just got me on pins and needles. <laughs> it's because he's still alive. <laughs> he was still alive. He was alive at the time of her death. Uh, he actually died of lymphoma on death row uh, June 7th, uh, 2013. So, so a few months after. Right, so happened. very shortly after. Oh, okay. Because that was a conspiracy sort of peddled a few years later on, I guess, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. She was having a seance with the... <laughs> the devil and the Richard Ramirez. Yeah, anyways. Ah, well, maybe he was still telepathically communicating right before his death row execution. Yeah, no. Yeah, there were so many things that I could have included in this uh, 10 questions. You did, I mean, that was, uh, I kind of knew I wasn't going to do great <laughs> heading into it. Because you guys, I mean, just so you guys know too, like we're not reviewing our notes before we do this to like have a little cheat sheet or anything like that. It's straight up like, you know, episodes from over a year ago. Mm-hmm. That well, some of them are, but well, some like of them within are, but the last year, yeah, yeah. At least the lamb was definitely over a year ago. 
for sure. Yes, that was quite a while ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, are you ready for your round? Oh, I guess I need my score. <laughs> I'm. I, I don't even. Well, I I need it. I don't really want it though. Out of a possible eleven points, you got five point five. <laughs> That's a pass. That's a pass. It's a pass. It's oh, a pass. Dear. All right, passing over the scoreboard. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what I'm in for. I'm going to sound like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I think you'll uh, you'll do okay. I tried to, you know, it's not really, fair. it's not, I try to be fair and it's not in any particular order in terms of difficulty this time. Like last, last week I tried to do sort of an uh, <gasps> increasing difficulty. Okay. Let's get into it though. So this episode uh, we're covering on this part here is uh, of course the Orang Pen deck. So I've got the little description here without giving away any answers. So hidden deep within the dense jungles of uh, a particular island in Indonesia, there's an ancient creature said to walk bipedally like a human, long arms, broad shoulders, a prehistoric throwback, you might say. Okay. So number one, the name Orang Pendek is a mashup of Indonesian language dialects. So for two points on this first question, what does Orang Pendek translate to? And what is the creature's colloquial name in cryptozoology? So first one, what? Name. So like, so there's a name, there's a term for the creature, but the name Orang Pendek <sighs> translates to something specifically. So the first part of the question, what does Orang Pendek translate to? I want to say just like the little man of the forest. So that's part two. Like the forest man. Okay, so that's the cool. <clears throat> that's the yeah, little man of the forest. The so ding, ding, ding. name. Sorry, guys, I have a frog in my throat. Um, oh, but it would be like. Because I'm thinking orangutan, so it's like um, orang, so that's like man, man, monkey. <laughs> man <laughs> so you got one and a two. It's okay. So it's it's small person or little person. Oh, I mean, I'll give you like a point like, five there. Almost like, like Manahune. Yeah, hmm. very similar to Manahune. And then of course, little man of the forest is the uh, the name in cryptozoology, sort of the. Uh, you know the colloquial reference to it. Yeah, these okay. guys—they always reminded me of lemurs. You're off. You're off to a good start. Decent enough. They do kind of look like lemurs a little bit, don't they? Mm-hmm. Okay, number two. There's a lot of islands that make up the Indonesian chain. Which island in Indonesia is said to be home of the Orang Pendek? <laughs> I feel like the answer I have in my head is like, it's. I feel like it's the neighboring. I'm gonna say Sumatra. Indeed. Okay. It sweet. is. Okay. Sumatra. Nice. I, what's, I feel like there was another smaller one, even like right beside it. Am I missing? There's another very specific place associated with the creature. So, so that'll come up again, okay. but you, okay. so far you're, you're doing really good. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to think on that one. I feel like you just came up with some really hard questions for at least the lamb. You're probably just going to get like 15 out of 15 for my questions here, but that's okay. <laughs> I didn't come up with harder questions. Really? No, no, no. Okay, you ready? We'll see. We'll see. All right, number three. Despite deforestation, Sumatra is still a great place for Orang Pendek to hide amongst the brush on this massive island. But just how much territory does Orang Pendek have compared to other islands? So this is a multiple choice question. Okay. So A, Sumatra is the fourth largest island in the world. B, the seventh largest island in the world. C, the sixth largest island in the world, or D, it is the largest island in the world. That isn't a continent. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, like, wait a second. <laughs> what about what about Britain? What about there's a lot of islands out there, man. Um, Britain is definitely up there as one of the largest islands in the world. Was sorry, was seventh one of the options? Fourth, seventh, sixth, or first? I'm gonna go with lucky number seven. Ah. So Sumatra is actually the sixth largest Shoot. island in the world. I was gonna say that. <laughs> oh, were you? That was your second option. No. Yeah. Eh, nice. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Number four. In particular, there's one location on the island of Sumatra that is known for Orang Pendek sightings. What famous place is this? I feel like it was a... No, the, ins- the entire island is a volcano. I feel like it was like a a park within Sumatra. So, uh, so, so you're on to something. So it's a specific kind of famous place within... I mean, it's a national park, and there's one specific place... <laughs> I'm thinking, ding, ding, I, I'm like Vesuvio or Nan Madol, and none of those are right. Um, well, you're on to something with that first sort of inkling. Non Pendek? <laughs> so the location is Mount Karinchi. Oh. So it's the Karinchi National Park and Mount oh, Karinchi, which right. is like 12,000 meters above sea you level or something. You don't think that's hard? Oh, well, I'm glad because I <laughs> thought you would, I, th- I just thought it would pop into Karinchi. your head. So, nice, nice. How the hell? Unless it's Mount Fuji, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Feeling pretty good about these questions, everybody. How are you guys doing? I wonder how everyone out there is doing. Yeah, right. what's your score so far? <laughs> yeah. Shoot us a DM or tweet at us or something. Okay. <laughs> Number five. Maybe I did make these really hard. <laughs> okay. Some early accounts of the Orang Pendek date back hundreds of years from travelers and explorers alike. Who was one of the earliest men to report seeing an Orang Pendek? Was it A, Sir Francis Drake in the 16th century, B, Christopher Columbus in 1488, C, Alexander the Great in 320 BCE, D, Marco Polo in the 13th century, or E, Zheng He in the 15th century? I'm going to go with Marco Polo. Okay. Yeah, I knew you'd remember that one. I was very tempted with Drake, though, because of that, again, that guy, Rob. Yeah, we recently on, watched. The, the ship dude. We are going to yeah. cover the story of Sir Francis Drake. That was a really cool, I'm, I cool feel kind of sad. I can't remember his last story. name. Uh, I want to say like, Rob Chapman, but that's my sister's oh, yeah. uh, 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 I, I was significant thinking, other. So I. <laughs> what about Rob Archibald? Who's that? <laughs> Ah, let's just go with that. That's that's <laughs> got to be his name. But yeah, no, it was Marco Polo. So when he visited Sumatra in uh, 1292, the locals, as the stories go, gave him the body of a small ape-like man to show him uh, who lives amongst them in the forest. Mm-hmm. And then another version says that Polo was just told stories about the creature, and then after that, he sighted one himself. So Very cool. There you go. Okay, number six. So there are many researchers, photographers, and cryptozoologists that have seen the Orang Pendek. But in the 1980s and 90s, there was one prominent character in the Orang Pendek story in particular who claimed to have multiple encounters with the creature. This person even had a famous quote that we referenced on the show. For two points, what was the name of this person slash researcher, and what is their now noteworthy quote on the creature from the 1980s and 90s? Hmm. Well, I'm thinking I'm trying to put on my cryptozoologist hat. I'll give you kind of a hint. Think to the Monster Quest episode on Orang Pendek that we watched. 
and there was a sort of a select few characters on that episode. I can see one dude's face in my head, and I don't know what his name is, but he... I wonder if it was Mark Hall. It was that guy that was like, he's from our neck of the woods, if I'm not mistaken. Think about the quotes, though. Think about the noteworthy quote on the creature. He melts into the woods? That was definitely... I, was that one of them? That, mm-hmm. Something similar to that. The, 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 the orange pendek, if he stops, he disappears. You don't okay. see him. Do you, are, you're wrong. So eh, eh, do you want to keep guessing? No. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's not a dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. I feel like you'll shake your head when I give you the answer. So this researcher well, from the it. 80s and 90s was Debbie Martyr. Who first visited Sumantra in 1989, travel Who the writer. the hell is Debbie Martyr? She was one of the most, we talked about her a lot. She was like two <laughs> a and a half, <laughs> she was like two and a half pages of notes in this episode. And her quote was, seeing the creature was like seeing something on the wrong side of time. What a beautiful quote. I thought so. I would never remember. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Aunt, Aunt, nice. So that was like a bonus point though. So I really just got uh, one wrong there. Oh, really? Well, I'm enjoying these. Okay. This one I feel like you'll you'll get for sure. I'm <laughs> just watching. All right. So number seven. There are many species unique to the island and to Cur- the area of Kerinchi. And some of these animals and their footprints can be misidentified as the Orang Pendek. What is the most common animal misidentified as Orang Pendek around Mount Kerinchi? Don't be fooled by what you might think is the obvious answer what creature did we talk about well i I would say orangutan and that's the trick yeah i know so So, what is it a deer an antelope come on we talked about we talked about so like a child you're not even trying anymore what no i am trying (laughs) (laughs) you want some more hints i mean think about like for sasquatch sightings in north america there's a particular creature where their footprints could be misidentified. A bear? A panda? Okay, that's a big fat zero what? for Amber on that one. No, what about the cute little red pandas? <laughs> what about those guys? Okay, oh, a no... lemur. How about a lemur? Okay, so wrong. Zero. <laughs> eh, 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 eh. First of all, there's no red, there's no pandas in Indonesia. First <laughs> yeah, of all. There is. No, there isn't. <laughs> and second of in all, my head, there okay, is. so there is there is a type of bear though. So remember, we talked about the sun bear. It's the smallest bear in the world. It's only four feet tall. It often stands bipedally, and it can be often misidentified as the orange. I said a bear. I said so bear. So I was looking for the sun bear, and I Fine. already had already given you the answer. I'll give you a half point there. Do you remember why orang- uh, orangutan couldn't be an option? Because they don't live on the island. They do, but not in the area where orangutan is sighted. So they're okay. only like in a specific part of the island they've got a clan and that's so seeing an orangutan in that area would be like almost a cryptozoological discovery in and of itself it would be like a difference subtle species difference endemic even though it is very close exactly Mm -hmm. okay seven i mean i'll give you a half i guess i really thought you got bear all right i'll give you a full point no amber gets a full i'll take a half (laughs) 0.75 all right I guess these are way harder than I thought. I they thought are. I them... Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some leeway on this next one. So okay. you can... I'll take a few different versions of the answer. Okay. So number eight. Villagers in the area of Karinchi are afraid of the Orang Pendek. If the Orang Pendek doesn't run away when they're encountered, they'll try frightening their onlookers by doing what? 
they do something specific. Mm. There's a few different options I'll accept here. So it's like... Well, they're pretty small, so I would imagine they make themselves look bigger by, like, raising their arms and perhaps even going on their tippy toes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so ding. I'll take that as an answer. So we did... So uh, Jeremy Holden, the photographer who claimed to have seen Orang Pendek, talked about how he saw it and it would put its hands straight up in the air, almost like it was like freeze, like mm. a gun a gunpoint on it, clearly trying to look bigger. Yeah. But one of the other things that it would often do, this was what I had as like the main part of the answer. I would accept what you gave me though. Um, violently shaking trees or branches. They've even been oh, known to... Yeah. Uh, uproot trees or break in half rattan vines which are extremely thick so basically just disturbing uh foliage around them like violently to scare away mothmuckers just to make it seem as if they're bigger yank out a tree break a branch whatever but yeah putting their hands straight up in the air was on on if you yank out a tree man that's some well they've got extremely broad shoulders right like they're very small but they're they're buff little they're buff little dudes (laughs) and it was kind of like uh like flores man which i actually didn't include in any of these questions i was trying to work away around Mm. how how to do that who of course we know now was uh had you know its cranial capacity was smaller than a chimpanzee but it was actually extremely intelligent and it was hunting you know uh pygmy elephants and kimono dragons and and using advanced tools and stuff like that and would have been this little mega man little four foot tall way stronger than me little mega man lower center of gravity like you know like sturdier almost like the menahune too right very much like these like little like it, that kind of makes me think of dwarves again too. Hey, oh yeah, it's like they're they're the workers, and there's a reason that they're small. They're they're tough. They're they're well built. They're rugged, hardy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, of course, that was one of the theories Jeff Meldrum put forward was That's that the uh, guy I was thinking of, Jeff. Maybe yeah. they are in fact one in the same. Was his quote uh, right on okay. the creature? Mm-hmm. Okay, number nine. Well, you did good on that one. So number nine. Okay, <laughs> I think you'll get this. So many of the early reports of the Orang Pendek came from European settlers of which country? So we, we, had, we had a whole bunch of quotes and like references of sightings from, from settlers of which European country in Indonesia? The Dutch? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The Dutch. So the ne- so uh, Holland or the Netherlands. Okay. So yeah, I'll, the Dutch accept that too. So yeah, nice. <laughs> that just reminds I me of the, were Danes. That just reminds <laughs> that just reminds me of like the Jerry and George conversation where he's like, Holland is the Netherlands. <laughs> then who are the Dutch? <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're on number ten. Okay, we're already down mm. to the wire here. This one is. Uh, I actually I I changed I flipped this question around. Mm-hmm. So it's the same version, and you'll get that after I ask it here. But there's a lot of other similar creatures in the world. Let's just say that. So there are a lot of other small, hairy, bipedal hominids out there. And so for a point, name one other country with such creatures, and then a bonus point if you can give the name of the creature in that country. So originally I was going to say name a creature. Mm-hmm. That was a little hot, a little tough. So get so there's a lot of other small bipedal hairy hominids out there. One of the uh, well, can I use Menahune? The Hawaiian. I had Menahune down on here as like a half point bonus because they're more. First of all, they're not hairy particularly, Hmm. and they're a little bit more mythical than the options I have. So, Small, so, but you don't have though. to think of the name. You don't have to think. So, like, the answer would have been Hawaii for that one. So, well, like, don't have to think of the name. Think of Hawaii's a country. Not a country, though. I know, but like, it's a place. That's why it's that's why it's a point five. <laughs> I literally answer. just caught. That I have myself. four. I have four <laughs> lists of of countries here that have small bipedal 
hominids. I'm gonna say Germany's a safe bet. Even though I know they're not gonna be hairy though. Yeah, you're just thinking you're thinking, thinking goblins, goblins and dwarves and, elves and stuff. And things like that, yeah. I know America has a small version. I know we we've seen that, right? The, I mean for for the a, little again, people, the, the yeah. little men of America. Yeah, there's definitely some indigenous legends that have small hairy things. What it's were not, you thinking of? Do you, I mean for a hint, we referenced all of these in the episode. In the theories at the end. Uh, let's go let's go to Australia. Let's okay. go down under. So Australia would be the Yowie, which is around seven feet That's plus. That's what I was thinking, so not the Australia. categorical opposite. The options I had here were Vietnam, where there's rock apes that were known, that were, there were stories about attacking GIs uh, during the Vietnam War. I there was Cambodia and Laos. They're smaller than Yeti and Sasquatch. They're mm-hmm. like regular human size. There's the Cambodia and Laos, the uh, Nguoi Rung, small forest people. There's also the Nitaweo of Sri Lanka. So how am I supposed to remember those names, those terms? <laughs> exactly. That's why I said all you had to guess mm. was the country. And then it was a bonus point for the name. Okay. So, well, zero, zero. Nice I, try. No, I think America counts because <sighs> there are those small little... Like Pukwajis, is that what you're thinking of? Something like that? We talked puk- about them in the Goblin episode. I thought a Pukwaji was like a... Pi- I thought those were more bird-like. I think you're... Di- so what, what are you talking about then? We've... I don't know the I name can't of them. What you're talking about. Um, I hope someone listening out there remembers us talking about this because this was definitely something <laughs> that people have talked about. It's not it's not like a goblin creature, but it's like these these small versions of Sasquatch in Central America. Well let's get Adam on it. In North America. <laughs> we need the Pine Barrens <laughs> expertise. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well I guess Amber thinks uh, there's a lot more options I should have included on here. Uh, I'll give her a point five on that, I suppose. So we've got out of a possible <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. You got one, two, three, four, five, six and a half. Really? Out of eleven. Okay. So you beat me again. Six and a half versus five and a half. Not too shabby. <laughs> well, this has been fun. Um, yeah, I we, guess I'd say that. We, I think we're getting. Or this is going to be increasingly competitive as we just keep going. Well, it definitely gets competitive when you argue my answers that I researched <laughs> and you tell me that I'm wrong. Well, but I'm trying to think outside the box here. Right. Okay. Well, I'll just start making up my own answers for your answers next week. Well, it's harder with things like Elisa Lam. You can't really like. <laughs> like yeah. No. It definitely. Well. No. It definitely is harder. You're a cheeky little guy. You can get your way. Mm. I almost never get my way just for everyone listening out there. So (laughs) So he says. (laughs) We want to know how you guys did. Shoot us a message. Very, very, very curious, especially on some of that true crime stuff, because I know a Mm -hmm. lot of you guys out there enjoy the true crime. And And if anyone out there knows what that little man of America is, (laughs) please let me know. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely more than one, I would say. Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Hit us up. Into the portal mailbox at gmail.com. Come follow us on social media. Hey, we broke the thousand mark on Instagram. We did. Come follow us on there if you don't already, and we'll follow you back. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's (gasps) at Into the Portal Podcast. So I guess we're just going to continue this train. We've got some fun merch coming down the pipe, too. I'm really excited about. But until that all hits the fan, we'll uh, just keep on waiting. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, And until next time on Into the Portal. Your gateway to the bazaar.
This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.